Amen. 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 Thank you so much. You know, uh, there, there's a lot that I didn't realize that goes on on those uh, socials. Some of the uh, people bring in their own, uh, what is it, David, David, Grant, uh, Barbara, Barbara, you bring in your home grain fruits and vegetables. And uh, Paula cooked home, uh, the desserts. She cooked the desserts. And you guys just do such a great job. And Saturday, when I came here Saturday, you were all busy in there working, setting things up. It was so beautiful. What a beautiful, beautiful occasion. So thank you so much. Thank you so much. Um, you know, that was a great uh, occasion for us. Let me just do this for a second. <laughs> and, um, you know, thank you for those that participated in the service. Our deacons, Greg Savage, Cecil Houston, uh, a director of mission, Scott Bird. Thank God he was able to be with us uh, on video. Also, uh, Dennis Blagg. Wasn't it great to have Dennis Blagg, uh, former associate pastor here at Calvary so for so many years. And, of course, our own Jerry Roberts delivering the message. Wasn't it a great service? Amen. You know, one thing I learned about with Jerry is when Jerry tells you, when Jerry tells you to stand, uh, you don't sit until he tells you to. <laughs> Did you catch that part? Oh, my gosh. That was wonderful. You know, there was another installation service back in 1954 for a man, a church installation for a man whose statue now stands in Washington, D.C. This man, his legacy is freedom, equality, and justice. And, of course, the man I'm speaking about is none other than the late Martin Luther King, Jr. Now, Martin Luther King was inducted to the Dexter Avenue Baptist Church in 1954. And shortly after his induction, he gave an inspiring message called, trans, called, what's it called? <laughs> it's called Transformed Nonconformist. Transformed Nonconformist. And some of the words in his message that day were these. He said, the Christian is called upon not to be like a thermometer conforming to the temperature of society. He said the Christian is to be like a thermostat serving to transform the temperature of society. He also said, I've seen many white people who sincerely oppose segregation and discrimination, but they never took a real stand against it because of fear of standing alone. Now, there was a woman in his congregation that day by the name of Rosa Parks. I think you probably know her. Rosa Parks. Uh, about a, that sermon, really, she took it to heart and it changed her. And about a year after he delivered it, she decided to be that transformed nonconformist. She boarded the Cleveland Avenue bus, which was only about five blocks from the pulpit, where Dr. King gave his message. And as she sat, you probably know the story, as she sat uh, in, in, in that bus, the white section was filled up with passengers, and the, 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 the bus driver ordered her 
to give up her seat in, the, in what they called the colored section at that time. Rosa politely refused. She took a moral stand, remaining seated. And this is what Rosa herself said about that day. She said this. She said, our treatment was not right. I was just tired of it. She said, her tiredness was not a physical tiredness. It was a moral tiredness. She says, the only tired I was was tired of giving in. And she took a stand. She took a stand against racial segregation that had a ripple effect. It led to a court battle, which led to citywide boycott, which led to the Supreme Court ruling that segregation was unconstitutional. Rosa Parks. She showed a strength in standing for what was right. And she was willing to stand alone because she wasn't just standing for herself. She was standing for the sake of others. In the scripture we're about to read, Jesus shows us strength in what he went through leading up to the cross. And what he went through, he did for the sake of others. So if you're ready, in just a moment, let's go ahead and prepare. We're going to be looking at John 19. Jesus suffered torture, humiliation, and accusation. And everything he went through, all the accusations that he went through, he did this for us. I'd like us to take a look at this now. John chapter 19, beginning with verse 1. And if you're willing and able, uh, once we find that, if you can go ahead and stand with me together for the reading of God's word. And it says this. Then Pilate took Jesus and had him flogged. The soldiers twisted together a crown of thorns and put it on his head. They clothed him in a purple robe and went up to him again and again, saying, Hail, King of the Jews! And they slapped him in his face. Once more, Pilate came out and said to the Jews gathered there, Look, I am bringing him out to you to let you know I find no basis for a charge against him. When Jesus came out wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe, Pilate said, here is the man. As soon as the chief priests and their officials saw him, they, sat, they shouted, crucify, crucify. But Pilate answered, you take him and crucify him. As for me, I find no basis for charge against him. The Jewish leaders insisted, we have a law, and according to that law, he must die because he claimed to be the son of God. When Pilate heard this, he was even more afraid. And he went back into the palace. Where do you come from? He asked Jesus. But Jesus gave him no answer. Do you refuse to speak to me? Pilate said. Don't you realize I have power either to free you or to crucify you? Jesus answered. You would have no power over me if it were not given to you from above. Therefore, the one who handed me over to you is, is guilty of a greater sin. From then on, Pilate tried to set Jesus free. 
But the Jewish leaders kept shouting, if you let this man go, you are no friend of Caesar. Anyone who claims to be a king opposes Caesar. When Pilate heard this, he brought Jesus out and sat down on the judge's seat at a place known as the stone pavement, which in Aramaic is Gabbatha. It was a day of preparation of the Passover. It was about noon. Here is your king, Pilate said to the Jews. But they shouted, take him away, take him away, crucify him. Shall I crucify your king, Pilate asked. We have no king but Caesar, the chief priest answered. Finally, Pilate handed him over to them to be crucified. You may be seated. Amen. Jesus suffered as a sacrifice for our sins. Jesus went to the cross as a sacrifice for our sins. But in all the suffering, in everything he went through, he stood with a spiritual strength, which was strength under fire. He sets the example for us. And whatever trials we might go through, whatever tests we might face, he sets the example for us of strength under fire. We're going to take a look at two characteristics of that strength. Two characteristics of the strength Jesus wants you and me to have. So let's begin. The first characteristics of the strength, and by the way, there's an outline in the back of your bulletin if you'd like to follow. There, the, the first characteristic of his strength is it is an enduring strength, a strength that endures. Let's take a look. Verse 1 and 2. It said, Then Pilate took Jesus and had him flogged. Now, flogging was whipping. It was when you tied a victim to a post. And they had this this whip that had several thongs or straps on it, and every strap had a piece of a bone or a piece of metal, and the purpose was to tear the flesh. And this beating was so savage, it was so severe, many people didn't survive it. Jesus suffered for our sins. Many people didn't survive it. And they, 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 they used it to weaken the victim, to dehumanize the victim before executing the victim. Jesus went through tremendous torture. Not only that, but in verse 2, they mocked him. Let's take a look. Verse 2 and 3, they mocked him. They clothed him in purple and went up to him and said, Hail, King of the Jews, and they slapped him. Now, the, they clothed him in purple because purple was a, the color of royalty. And this, they did this to mock him for claiming to be a king. They slapped him. They spit on him. They pulled out his beard. And in all of this, Jesus did not lash out. Jesus did not retaliate. But in his enduring strength, he was self-controlled. He remained self-controlled. The, the book of Isaiah 
prophesies Jesus. And we, we read this just a moment ago. Philip, uh, Philip uh, this was what the Ethiopian eunuch was reading in his chariot. Phil, uh, the Bible prophesies about Jesus and his affliction as he went to the cross. It says, he was oppressed, Isaiah 53, verse 7. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before its shearers is silent, so he did not open his mouth. Jesus was self-controlled. These attacks on Jesus were really attacks from Satan. You see, there was a sp deeper spiritual battle going on here. We do not fight against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against, against world rulers of darkness in heavenly places. Ephesians 6, verse 12. Christians have a spiritual battle that we must fight. Christians. And in every battle that we fight, the struggle is to maintain the character of Jesus Christ. Jesus was self-controlled. You're going to have to, you're going you're to face spiritual opposition. You're going to face false accusation. But just like Jesus did, but he was self-controlled. His enduring strength was self-controlled. He was composed. He was quiet, and he was confident. Isaiah chapter 30, verse 15. In quietness and in confidence is our strength. Rosa Parks had a quiet, confident strength. As a matter of fact, she wrote a book about her experience, and the title of that book is called Quiet Strength. I'm going to read to you in just a moment what she wrote. And she wrote this. She said this. She says, I made up my mind. She's talking about the dialogue that went on in her head that day when this occurred on the bus. She said, I made up my mind after so many years of being a victim and the mistreatment of my people suffered, not giving up my seat. Whatever I had to face was not afterwards was not important. I didn't feel any fear there, and I want you to listen to this closely now. I felt the Lord would give me strength to endure whatever I had to face. Rosa was leaning upon Jesus for her strength. For her strength. What is it that gives Christians strength to endure? What is it that gives Christians strength to stand in the fire? What is it that gives Christians strength to be self-controlled? It's the it's knowledge, knowing by faith, God is with you. Isaiah chapter 41, verse 10. Do not be afraid. Do not be dismayed. I am with you, God says. I will help you. I will strengthen you. I will hold you up with my right hand. See, our command is do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. Why? Because I'm with you. He says, I will uphold, he upholds us as we hold on to him. Amen? Uh, he says, I will uphold you. I will strengthen you with my right hand. 
the reason Christians can be uh, self-controlled uh, with enduring strength is because we know God is with us. Jesus was self-controlled because he knew the Father was with him. The Father was in it with himself. So enduring strength, first of all, is self-controlled. Secondly, enduring strength is sacrificing for love. You have to remember why Jesus did what he did, amen? Jesus was motivated because he loved us. He did all this because he loved us. You know, one of the descriptions, one of the definitions of love, you know, what you're willing to sacrifice for another is, is a good measure of how much you love a person. The Bible says this, the sacrifice, 1 John, 1 John chapter 3, verse 16. It says the, the sacrifice Jesus made is a very different definition of love itself. Listen, 1 John 3, 16 says it this way. This is how we know what love is. Jesus laid down his life for us. And we, listen now, we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and our sisters. You see, that's the love he wants us to follow sacrificing love, willing to sacrifice. My wife and I, my wife Tess and I had a privilege of attending this last week a funeral of uh, Doris's brother Bobby, Bobby Morrison. Now, Doris was a secretary here at Calvary Baptist, for those that don't know, for 25 years. And uh, uh, our chairman of deacons, uh, Greg Savage, officiated the service, did a very, very fine job. And uh, when Bobby's brother came up to speak about him, his name is Ralph, he talked about his brother as an unsung hero, and he talked about how he rescued a friend in the Vietnam War. Was it Vietnam? I think it was. Oh, Korea. Okay, thank you. Thank you, Greg. Korean War. Tell me if I got this story right. <laughs> At any rate, his friend was wounded across enemy lines, and Bobby didn't think twice. Uh, he, he ran over to him, crossing over enemy lines, put him on his shoulder and carried him to safety. Now, why? Why did he do it? He did it for love. He loved him. He loved his friend. He was willing to make that sacrifice. Enduring strength sacrifices for love. You know, he, he was, with his love, he was willing to rescue him, just like Jesus, because of his love, was willing to rescue us. He came to rescue us from darkness. He came to rescue us from our sin. He came to rescue us from eternal death and give us eternal life as we trust in him. John chapter 6, verse 23. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Jesus made the sacrifice for us. Now Pilate knew. Pilate knew Jesus was innocent. He knew there was no reason to give him a charge, and that's what he told the Jews. Let's look, verse 4. Pilate came out. He said to the Jews gathered there, Look, I, I am bringing him out to you to let you know I find no basis for charge against him. Pilate knew that he was an innocent man. He knew it, and he hoped by them seeing the beating Jesus took, 
they might have a little pity upon this man. Then what did he say? Verse 4, he says, I bring him out to you. And he says, here is the man. Here is the man. The King James says it this way, behold the man. In other other words, look at the man. Without knowing it, Pilate was telling us to do just what the Bible tells us to do. Behold the man. Behold the perfect man. Behold the Son of God. Look. Look what he's sacrificing for you. Look what he's going through because of his love for you. Look at his strength under fire. Jesus was in was an enduring strength. His, his his strength was an enduring strength. We're to look at his character. We're to learn from his character. We're to imitate his character. Jesus' strength was enduring strength. It was self-controlled. It was sacrificing for love. And secondly, that strength under fire is a righteous strength. It's a righteous strength. Verse six. It says this, verse 6, And soon as the, as the chief priests uh, and officials saw him, they shouted, Crucify! Crucify! And then it says, that's when Pilate told them, You take him. Look at what he says. You take him. You crucify him. For me, I find no basis of charge against him. He knew that he was a righteous man. This was the third time Pilate proclaimed Jesus innocent. He was trying to free him. He wanted to free him. He just didn't have the moral strength. He didn't have the moral strength to do it. He was weak. He couldn't stand alone for what was right. Unlike Rosa Parks, who said in her book, and I'm going to quote it now, this is why she said what she did, what she did. She said, our treatment was not right. It was time. For someone to stand up, in my case, sit down, (laughs) she said. So I refused to move. You see, she had a righteous strength. It was a strength to stand up for what was right. You know, somebody once said it this way. If you don't stand up for something, if you don't stand up for something, you're going to fall for anything. So the question is this, what are you standing for? Where are you finding your strength? Jesus' strength is a righteous strength. It's a righteous strength. Make sure in what you're standing on, make sure you're standing on what's right in the eyes of God. Jesus' strength was under fire, but it it was a righteous strength. He knew his purpose. He knew his cause. And he was a righteous, it was a righteous strength, humble before God. Humble before God, verse 7. Verse 7, it says the Jewish leaders insisted, we have a law. And according to that law, he must die. Because he called himself the son of God. Now the truth comes out. See, they hadn't brought this up before. They were just trying to say, well, he's a revolutionary. He's trying to overrule Rome. Now, Now Pilate hears this for the first time. Trying to call himself the son of God. What? So he took Jesus into the palace to talk to him privately. He took him into the private, took him into the palace 
to, to, to talk to him privately. Verse 9. It says, when Pilate heard this, he was even more afraid. And he went back into the palace. Where do you come from? He asked Jesus. But Jesus gave no answer. <clears throat> do, you, do you refuse to speak to me? Pilate said, don't you realize I have the power to free you or to crucify you? Pilate had a righteous indignation. Yeah, Jesus not speaking to him. How dare you not speak to me? Don't you know the authority I have? Don't you know the power I have? Uh, don't you know the position I have and the power I have over you? Yeah, he was kind of inflated. with the, Now, he was in a high position, granted. This was a position given to him by the, the emperor Tiberius Caesar. He was in a position as governor to make righteous judgments and then to stand on the judgments that he makes. And so Jesus kind of popped the balloon of his inflated ego. <laughs> Let's take a look. Verse 11, verse 11. Jesus answers him now, you, you would have no power over me if it were not given to you from above. What's he saying? Pilate, your power doesn't come from yourself. Your power comes from God. You see, all earthly governments, the Bible says, are established by God, Romans 13. Established by God. And the purpose of earthly government is to, to, to maintain peace, to maintain justice. And for that to happen, the leaders have to have a righteous strength to make right judgments. So how do you do that? How do you know what is right? It, it begins with humility before God. Psalms chapter 25, verse 9. He leads the humble in what is right. He teaches the humble his way. Humility. Righteous strength is humble before God. Whatever leadership role you might have in your home, in your church, in your community, that is a sacred responsibility given to you by God. The, the biblical leadership is servant leadership. Uh, it's leadership to, that has a responsibility to serve. Don't be overinflated like Pilate, uh, how important you are. And, of course, I'm speaking to myself as well. Uh, listen to this. There's a story written by Mark Middleberg and Bill Heibel in their book, Becoming a Contagious Christian. It says this. A newly promoted colonel had moved into a makeshift office during the Gulf War. Newly promoted. Get this in your mind. And he just started unpacking everything, uh, just unpacking, and out of the corner of his eye, he noticed a private with a toolbox coming his way. So this colonel uh, wanted to look important, so he grabbed a phone. Remember, this is before cell phones. He grabbed a phone, and he said, General Schwarzkopf, uh, yes, of course, I, I think that's an excellent plan. He continued on. Oh, oh, you've got my support, General. Thanks. Thanks for checking in with me. Let's touch, let's touch base again soon, Norm. Goodbye. And he sees this little private coming up to him with a toolbox, and he, has, and he asks the private, uh, what can I do for you? And the private says, um, I'm just here to hook up your phone. 
<laughs> don't, don't be overinflated. Don't be overinflated with how important you are. Amen. We got to remember. We got to remember. <laughs> Stay humble. Stay humble before the Lord. Stay humble before God. So, righteous strength is a humble strength. And then, lastly, the letter B. Righteous strength is a courageous before injustice. It's courageous. Verse 8 tells us what's going on in the mind of Pilate. And I'll tell you what, it was not courage. Verse 8, Pilate literally says, when he heard Jesus call himself the Son of God, it says he was even more afraid. Why? Well, Pilate was not, he was not a religious man, but he was a superstitious man. He believed There were human beings, certain human beings with divine powers uh, that could have super, do supernatural things. And he was afraid because of the torture he put Jesus through that he was going to be inflicted by Jesus in some supernatural way. Revenge. Uh, There's another reason he was afraid. And this is it. This is what political. Political, verse 12. Verse 12, the Jews threatened him. Let's take a look. Verse 12, it says, Pilate tried to set Jesus free, but the Jews kept shouting, if you let him go, you are no friend of Caesar. You are no friend of Caesar. Anyone who claims to be a king is not a friend of Caesar. You see, this frightened Pilate because he knew he was appointed by the, the emperor, and if word got out, if they told the emperor that he wasn't performing justice upon somebody that rose up against the empire of Rome, this could be the end of his political career and probably of his life. So he was afraid. He was afraid. He had a fear of man, but he had no fear of God. Proverbs chapter 25, verse 9 says that this, I'm sorry, Proverbs 29, verse 25 says, the fear of man brings a snare. Fearing man will trip you up, it'll trap you. Don't fear man, fear God. Don't fear man, fear God. I like the way Evangelist Oswald Chambers said it, the late late Evangelist Oswald Chambers said it this way. He said, the remarkable thing about fearing God is when you fear God, you fear nothing else. Whereas if you don't fear God, you fear everything else. You see, Pilate was afraid. He had no fear of God. He was fearing the man, fearing man. He was bowing to the will of the mob. He was bowing to political pressure in what he did. Fearing God means having an awesome respect for him. It means walking in obedience to his word. And what does his word say? 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 13. Be watchful. Stand firm in your faith. Be courageous and be strong. Let all that you do be done in love. That's our command. To be courageous and to be strong. When your strength is under fire, will you you have a righteous strength? Will 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 you fear God and be obedient to his word? Righteous strength stands humbly before God, and it stands courageous in the face of injustice. So to conclude, Jesus sets the example for us to follow under this, uh, follow 
uh, with strength under fire. First, his strength was an enduring strength. It was self-control because he knew the Father was with him. And it was a sacrifice, sacrifice and love to rescue us from the enemy, to rescue us from eternal death. Not only is Jesus' strength an enduring strength, but it's a righteous strength. He walked humbly before God, following the right way, appointed by the Father. In the face of injustice, he was courageous, unlike Pilate. Unlike Pilate, who was afraid of the people. He was afraid of doing the right thing. Jesus feared God, not man. He did what was right in the eyes of God. He did what God ordained. Rosa Parks did what was right when her strength was under fire. She took a stand for what was right, not just for herself, but for others. She, she didn't know, listen to this, she didn't know what was going to happen that day. She didn't plan on this happening. She just got off work. She was tired. She wanted to go home. She wrote about it. She says, when I sat down on the bus that day, I had no idea history was about to be made. I was only thinking about getting home. She didn't know history was going to be made. But she did know that she feared God and she followed her Savior. And she found her strength in Him. Will you follow Jesus with the strength that He gives you? Will you follow Jesus with your, when your strength is under fire? Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for the example of Jesus. Lord Jesus, we thank you, Lord, for what you did for us. Behold the man. Behold, Lord, what you did for us, your love, what you suffered because you loved us. Help us, Lord, to have a strength under fire. Help us to endure. Give us the strength to endure. Give us a, a, an enduring strength. Give us a righteous strength, Lord, in you, in you. We thank you, Jesus. In your name we pray.